there, Spookies. Welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour podcast, or just welcome if you're new here. I'm Sam, your host. The sound might be a little bit different. I'm trying some different acoustics in different rooms um, just to see what sounds better. Sound quality won't be as much of an issue with some fuzzy kind of background noise stuff once we're in the studio, but that probably won't happen until springtime. So let's see how this comes out. Tonight we're going to talk about the town of Harpers Ferry, West Virginia. For those who don't know, Harpers Ferry is a pretty famous little town in a historical national park that's become kind of a famous stop on the Appalachian Trail, as it's considered by most to be sort of the halfway point of the thru-hike. The town is located at the confluence of the Potomac and Shenandoah Rivers, and it's also where the states of Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia all meet. According to the 2020 census, the full-time population of the town is a mere 285 residents. So that should really tell you how small Harpers Ferry really is. There is so much history in this town, you guys. I mean, we could fill up hours, but we're here to talk about its most famous haunts. So let's just dive right in because there are actually quite a few good ghost stories in this little town. Way more than I imagined when I started researching, that's for sure. First, a preface. I found these stories through the website, West Virginia Ghost Stories, Legends, and Haunts. Big shout out to them. I recommend checking them out if you're interested in more ghost stories from the area that I maybe haven't covered here. They also sell books as well, if that's your sort of thing. Definitely worth looking into for a spooky fix if you're so inclined. I will actually link them in the description of this episode if you'd like to look into them further. First, we're going to talk about Camp Hill. This location was once an encampment for troops on both sides of the Civil War, so the Confederacy and the Union. They initially camped out in the bottom land of the town, but that turned out to be a bad idea because sickness spread much quicker there. You know, you have a lot of mosquito-borne diseases. Um, bottom land or wetlands are kind of a breeding ground for things like tuberculosis, so yeah, this wasn't working out. With that in mind, they ended up moving to higher ground, hence how they came to the place now known as Camp Hill. It's about a 10-minute walk from downtown Harpers Ferry to the location that was once Camp Hill. It's actually now known as Bolivar Heights, Bolivar Heights. Not 100% on the pronunciation there, but that's the current name. You can even keep walking and reach the spot where the Battle of Bolivar Heights was fought in the war. Some folks claim to hear the sounds of marching feet as though a large group of people are moving in unison, and the sounds of drums being played. There are also a ton of reports from all over Harper's Ferry of people seeing the ghosts of soldiers just aimlessly walking around the town. I feel like these particular phenomenon are often seen and heard in all sorts of places associated with the Civil War. I think it stands to reason as this kind of bloodshed really lends itself to a haunting or two or 40. Especially the sound of drums and fifes being played. 
that comes up pretty regularly when talking about battlefields and other locations associated with specifically the Civil War. This spot is probably well worth a visit if you're a history buff or someone looking for potential experience. Like I said, places like this usually yield a lot of paranormal happenings. Look into any Civil War battlefield, the paranormal side of things, and I guarantee you, you will get soldier apparitions coming and going, always the drums and fifes, very common in these types of places. There's a pretty iconic place in Harper's Ferry called the St. Peter's Catholic Church. It stood tall over the town since it was finished in 1833, making it almost 200 years old now. You've likely seen photos of this church if you've looked up any information on Harper's Ferry before. And while it's a beautiful old building, yes, it is haunted. Father Michael Costello was the priest at the church from 1857 to 1867, dedicating 10 years of his life to preaching sermons to the people of Harper's Ferry. This man survived the Civil War, the raid by John Brown. Even though at the times of those events, he was just 28 years old. You know, this was a young man. His dedication to his church still holds today, as people report seeing his ghost walking around the church as though he's still holding service there and watching over the place, which he did for 10 years. But he is not the only person still hanging around St. Peter's. Other reports are of the ghost of a soldier who's been spotted on the steps out front. It's said that during the war, he was brought to the lawn of the church, which had been set up as a field hospital. He was mortally wounded and bleeding out while he waited for the doctor to come assess him. And eventually he was carried in to the church proper. The folks who carried him in claimed that he made this awful guttural noise as he was brought across the threshold and into the building. He then reportedly whispered, Thank God, I'm saved. Those who have seen the ghost of this soldier report that they hear those very same words whispered softly, repeated for all eternity. This story made me pretty sad. I can see why the priest would still be wandering the church where he served for so many years, tied to the dedication that he made in life. It was the story about the soldier that really got me right in the feels. I can't imagine being trapped for all eternity in the place where I died, even if it is this beautiful church, especially not if you died in such a horrible, tragic way. Just sad. Like, that one was kind of depressing, guys. Now, let's go back in time a little bit further. Sometime in the late 1700s, Robert Harper and his wife, Rachel, built a big, beautiful home at the top of a hillside and then ran the ferry service there. Hence the name of the town, Harper's Ferry. I know that's wild. Crazy. He ran a ferry, his name was Harper, Harper's Ferry. Anyway, things were on the up and up before the revolution broke out. But, of course, 
they had to pay just these absolutely insane taxes to old mother England. Because of this, dear Rachel started to hide money in jars to avoid having to pay these taxes. Basically, she was cheating the government before we even had an IRS. Yeah. <laughs> At some point around 1780, Rachel, who was then about 60 years old, fell from a ladder while doing chores around the house. She died the next day, but never got the chance to tell anyone where the money was hidden. Not even Robert knew where she'd hid their finances. So just take a moment to think about that. She was hiding the money, didn't even tell her husband. In 1782, Robert also passed away. He never remarried and the couple never had children. Nobody ever found this stash of money. And as far as I know, it's still hidden to this day. Folks believe that the money could be hidden in the garden as the ghost of Rachel can sometimes be seen wearing her 1700s garb, peering toward the garden from a window in the house as though she's watching over their money even after death. I mean, I mean, I guess if I'd hoarded a ton of money that nobody ever found, I'd want to check in on it. On the other hand, Rachel just comes off in the story like a bit greedy and arrogant, you know, burying her money in the yard like a lunatic. What good was it to keep the cash from being taxed if you never intended to spend any of it and had no one to inherit it? There wasn't really a lot of other information on this that I could find, just people see the ghost of Rachel peering out at the garden sometimes. Not the most interesting haunting, but still another tale pretty unique to Harper's Ferry. I'm going to go out on a limb here, guys, and assuming that if you've ever studied the Civil War in school at all, or on your own, you know, you do you, that you likely know who John Brown is. For those that don't know, John Brown was a very religious man from a very religious family. They all very strongly opposed slavery. Now, he was raised very spiritually, and he was big on human rights, but he was actually very radical and violent in the tactics that he employed to support his beliefs. On October 16th, 1859, John and 21 other men, including two of his own sons, went on a raid in an attempt to seize the U.S. arsenal at Harper's Ferry. He wanted to use the guns to create an army comprised of former slaves, who would then incite a rebellion to free all the slaves. I mean, it's not a bad idea, but perhaps not well executed in hindsight. John Brown actually took some of the townsfolk of Harper's Ferry hostage. This didn't work out well for him. It just made the situation worse. In the end, they gave up on the raid and decided to flee. But their escape route had been cut off. During this ordeal, six people were killed, including the mayor of Harper's Ferry and a black man who was a baggage handler for the railroad. I believe his name was Hayward Shepard, but I can't totally confirm that. I'm just going off what I read. Now, John Brown didn't die during the raid itself, but he was tried and convicted, found guilty of treason. 
He was hung on December 2nd of that same year, and it's said that his spirit can be seen on the streets of Harper's Ferry. People claim that he appears as a full-bodied apparition, and some people have actually mistaken him for a reenactor still in costume, just out and about in town. They don't immediately recognize, supposedly, that they're interacting with an entity and not a real human. John Brown really has an interesting story, and I do recommend reading up on him and The Raid if you have time. While his intentions were good, again, the execution was not the best. Perhaps if he'd taken a less radical approach or toned down his proclivity for violent actions, he could have done great things in the attempts to end slavery. But alas, we'll never know what might have been. Living in Harper's Ferry at one point in time, there was an old woman who the townsfolks named Jenny. They would watch her as she kind of picked along the banks of the river, looking for driftwood that she would use as firewood in her little shack of a home near the riverbank. The story goes that one night, while tending the fire, the hem of her dress brushed the flames, and she herself caught fire. You know, she's wearing a skirt, likely made of a fabric like cotton, went up like that. So she fled the shack and ran along the railroad tracks toward the river, screaming in agony for help. Because she was in so much pain, she didn't see or hear the oncoming train, which hit and subsequently killed her. Ever since then, engineers on the railroad near Harper's Ferry claimed to see a huge ball of flames rolling along the tracks, and they also claimed that there's a scream that's as loud as the train itself. I cannot wrap my head around how horrible this one is. I also can't decide if being hit by the train was a mercy or not. If she was truly consumed in flames and had not yet been able to put them out, she was likely facing an agonizing death. I don't know. I mean, I feel horrible for feeling like the train hitting her was the best case scenario, but maybe it was. Sometimes death is a mercy. To people. Okay guys, our last tale tonight is about Hogs Alley. If you're a little squeamish about things to do with slavery and some of the horrible things that happened, you might want to tune this one out. Um, just giving you fair warning. This tale is about Hogs Alley. A freed slave named Dangerfield Newby wanted very much to free his wife and child from the horrors of slavery, too. So he joined John Brown's rebellion. During the raid itself, Newby was killed by a spike that was driven into his neck. The people of Harper's Ferry were so livid about the insurrection on their town. The people of Harper's Ferry were so livid about the insurrection on their town that they repeatedly stabbed Newby's body amputating his limbs. When they were finished, they tossed his broken and beaten body into an alley to be eaten by the hogs that ran wild in the streets. Hence the name Hog Alley. Most devastating, perhaps, is the fact that there was a note found in his pocket sent to him from his wife where she begged for him to find a way to free her and their child. 
To this day, you can see Newbie's ghost wandering up and down the narrow street that is Hogs Alley. He has a garish scar on his throat, and he stares intently at the ground, as though he's forever thinking of what he might do to help his family, even in death. This one really got me, guys. It, the brutality alone is awful. I almost didn't include this one, just based on the content a little bit, um, but I felt that I should because Newbie's story should be heard one way or another. It's just atrocious, it's hard to fathom, but this is the Appalachian Spooky Hour and we don't shy away from the truth of things. And this, as far as I know, happened to this poor man. And that's the scariest thing of all, guys. We talk about ghosts, we talk about cryptids and things that go bump in the night, but humanity can sometimes be the most terrifying thing in the world. That's all for this one, Spookies. Sorry to end on a downer. Um, we have we have two more episodes to go before we take a holiday break. Though we're going to attempt to drop a Christmas episode later in December. We'll be back in January of 2024 with more Appalachian Tales for all of you. And until then, remember, don't go outside alone after dark. <laughs>